Hey, welcome to the Leading Simple Podcast with Rusty George. Today, it's it's a holiday type of feel. We're very excited about the holidays coming, specifically Christmas, and this is the time of year Hallmark and Lifetime make their money with all of our Christmas favorites. And today, we have a couple of people who have helped create content for those channels. Producer Dan Angel and actor Ryan McPartland. I can't wait for you to hear from them, not just about what we can learn about Christmas from these movies, but also how to lead. Uh, Dan leads by being a producer, which has to get a lot of people involved, and Ryan leads as an actor. How do you do that when maybe you're not the star of the show, but uh, you're certainly not in charge? But how do you lead from uh, kind of a different level? And I think you're going to be really, really excited about what they have to say and really put you in the Christmas spirit. So here we go, Leading Simple with Dan Angel and Ryan McPartland. And we usually go 20, 25 minutes, but hey, if we're talking and we're having fun, we'll keep it going. Um, So here we go. Well, I want to welcome to the podcast two friends of mine, Dan Angel and Ryan McPartland. Dan is a movie producer with more Emmys than I can count, and a few more than me. Um, He has uh, produced such uh, Emmy-winning films as Door to Door and Gifted Hands, but also Christmas programming like Christmas in Cana. And so um, he's going to be with us here today. I'm excited to have him. And Ryan McPartland is, uh, you may know him from his role as Captain Awesome on Chuck uh, or LA's Finest, currently on Fox, but also in a series of holiday movies from A Kind of Magic to my personal favorite, Twinkle All the Way. So I am delighted to have you boys with us. So what I'm going to do, because they can't see you, is I'm going to have you just introduce yourself and tell us maybe a couple things I missed about what it is you do uh, on a uh, normal working day. So Dan, we'll start with you. Wow. that's a Well, thank you so much for a beautiful introduction. And uh, I agree with you. Twinkle All the Way is definitely the one. Ryan, <laughs> thank you. Well, um, we got one coming up, so hold your judgment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about, yeah, okay, good. Um, the, um, you know, it's interesting because as a producer, writer, and I'm spending more time producing, um, it's a lot of things. It's when you're in production, you're in production and overwhelmed by all the duties that that requires from, you know, crewing up and, you know, prepping a movie and then filming a movie and, uh, and that's exciting and that's fun. And when you're not doing that, you're spending a high percentage of your life as a producer trying to convince anyone to please make your movie or your TV show. Mm. So those are the, kind of the two paths you're on in your life. And it's interesting. They're both, uh, you know, they both can be exciting. But on the second path, a lot of heartache. You know, you walk in with your heart and you're pitching your wonderful show or your movie and you know it's everyone's gonna buy it and you know most of the time they don't and then you go back and try to figure out okay i gotta convince these people to do this so it's been quite a blessing to be able to have these things get green lit and be made um and and then of course we don't spend a lot of time on the world of covid but that really changed things for all of us as producers because we were shooting movies this year and got shut down in march and then miraculously came back and we're able to finish in four movies. So hmm. I'm thankful. I, I'm really 
fortunate and blessed that that happened that way. That's great. That's, that's great. kind of the day to day. Make movies or try to get them made. Well, I think we're all anxious to see them. And I want to talk to you more about that. I mean, that is two distinct styles of leadership, one to pitch a movie and the other to actually make the movie. So Ryan, I know you've been part of that as well. And, and part of your job is to pitch yourself uh, to be able to get cast for various things. And a lot of times you get a no and sometimes you get a yes. And tell us a little bit about your life as an actor for the last 16, 17 years here in Hollywood. Well, it's interesting for me because, um, you know, I came out for a summer hmm. in 1999 and here I am in 2020 and I'm still here. Um, my parents are always like, when are you coming back to Chicago, Rye? And I said, as soon as, as soon as the work dries up, I'll be there. <laughs> um, but no, it's, um, my, my typical day is, is different than Dan's because, y- you know, I can, I can be working on a project that I'm passionate about that I'm trying to produce and I'm trying to sell. And thankfully I have people like Dan in my life that have been wonderful mentors and helped me graduate from being an actor into that producing space. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but then everything goes out the window, my plan when an audition comes in. And so an agent, uh, my agent or manager will send me an audition. And these days, it's not going to the casting office, which I miss tremendously. I miss that person to person interaction and working on material. Um, it, it's working with my wife in uh, the corner of my bedroom with an iPhone and recording my audition without any input, without any insight, and just hoping that it, I land somewhere near what they want and we email it off and you really don't hear any feedback. And I always say that new actors, I say, you know, the audition is the play, you know, that that's the performance. And just to be able to go and audition, don't get so worked up about, am I going to get this job or am I not? You get to go perform and you get to go in a room in front of people and make choices on what that material is. And um, that in itself is a gift. So treat it as such. But now it's a little different with this coronavirus, and I really feel for new actors in the business because when you're just doing it on your iPhone, you don't get that feedback in the room. You don't get that, um, you know, that that buzz, that that juice that you get that you could drive home and go, "Oh, did I do it right? I was kind of an out of body experience." And hmm. you know what 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 does the future hold? But I got to let it go. I got to stop thinking about it and think back to, to what I'm doing at home and get the kids to basketball and get them ready for school the next day. So it's always that balance of my, my real life and then my um, life as a futurist, which is as an actor and a producer. And that's what, where we spend a lot of our time. And it's, it's tough to sometimes be present in our day-to-day activities because right. we're always thinking about the future. Hey, Ryan, I, I do want to say something. What Ryan just said, which I think is important as a producer, and not all producers feel this way, I love the actors being in the room. I prefer to cast, looking at the actors, working with the actors, and and seeing what they're going to do and, and talking them through things. It, there's some magic that happens in that room, and Ryan knows about that. Yeah. But what's sad is a lot of producers prefer tape, almost like getting lazy. They just want to sit and and watch on tape and make a decision. I don't think you can make the right decision consistently if you're not seeing the actor in the room. Hmm. Saying that for the record, Ryan, I agree with you. And I just booked my very, in, in the the amount of time I've done this, without having to cast, I've booked on tape 
we call it on tape, even though it's not tape anymore, it's digital. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I booked on tape once in my life and that was with the casting director and the help of the casting director of um, changing up a couple choices that I had made. But now I just finally booked my first gig ever um, using my iPhone and taping myself. I just never did. It was not something that was my strong suit. Um, but I'm going to be in recurring in season three of all American with Tay Diggs. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix and I get to play a football coach. So that was exciting. When well, I got that phone call, that's great. Happy. Cause you played at the university of Illinois, which most people don't know this. They actually do have a football team still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tried to pretend. Uh, <laughs> that they don't for now. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Okay, well, I want to ask you about this because I think this is something our listeners can all relate to, and that is this tension of living with your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground. <laughs> because you, all, you both have to have such huge dreams for what it is you want to do, but also live in reality where a lot of it doesn't ever come to pass. Uh, not everybody, uh, you know, books every single movie and gets millions of dollars for every movie they make, and every one of their movies is a smashing success. And the same thing for the guy who's opening a business. The same thing for uh, the woman who's trying to run her company. Um, we all have different things where we're trying to dream big, but also be realist. How do you balance that? Dan, do you want to go first? Well, I can say, as I had alluded to in, in, when we talked about that first question, I, I got to tell you, that's probably my biggest challenge of, you know, a 30 year career is the heartache because I'm very passionate. I know Ryan, you're this way too. Whether you read a book or you read an article, an incredible story about someone's life, or you come up with an original idea, whatever it is, I get very excited about it. I'm a creative producer. Um, and so I'm a storyteller. So you get excited and then I can see it. I can taste it. I, I can see how the, it's going to play as a movie. And I can't wait to get in that room and talk about it with the executives. And most of the time you don't get a yes. And then you have to live with that disappointment that, you know, you're going to have to, you know, try to get this done and you're not quite sure how to do it. Um, I will say that I'm proud of my, you know, relationship and my faith in God that I can lean on God and, and say, help me here, deal with my emotions of this disappointment, but also say, uh, Hey, we got to open up some doors here. We got to figure this out. Um, and I, I, I'm very happy that I, I, we don't have time to get into all the stories, but I can tell you probably 75% of the projects I've had made, I got to know I left I came back, got a no, left, and kept trying. And my favorite moments are, like with Door to Door, having the letter from the network saying, we will never make this movie. It will never happen. Thank you very much for your time. And then the same letter from the same executive, congratulations on winning Best Picture. That's a really good feeling. And so I think the key was to learn not to ever, for me, no means not yet. That's the slogan. No means not yet. And that keeps me going because maybe someone can't see it, but I can see it. And I just want to keep fighting through it and have faith that it's going to be okay and come up with the elements or the actor or the writer or director, whatever it is, we call it packaging as producers and package the right element. That's going to get them to say, yes, that's my job. And it's a big part of the job. It's the best part of the job. If you want to, yes, that's great. Absolutely. Well, for me, I remember early on, you know, the highs are so high and the lows are so low that 
I remember saying a prayer that if God would just allow me to be a working actor, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for much more than that. And now I realize I should have been a little more specific and said, God, just make me a movie star <laughs> and a multi multimillionaire. I never, my grandchildren never have to worry uh, about money again because he answered my prayers. <laughs> and, uh, but it, uh, it goes to show you two things. One, the power of prayer. Two, um, you know, when it comes to my experience, as I get older, the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low. And I think that's a really good thing. I think that's for me. Um, I don't, I see things for what they are much more than, um, than I did when I was young, because when you're rejected and there is like Dan said, there is a tremendous amount of rejection to, to take it objectively instead of personally is a difficult a difficult, um, you know, trait to, to learn to have. Mm -hmm. And, oh man, is it tough. Mm -hmm. And you do. And when you're on the other side, that's the biggest benefit to learning to be a producer is that when you are packaging these and you're looking for the right fit, it could be so many different things that, um, that you just now as an actor, I go into the room and I go, okay, I usually have a good idea if I fit into something or not. Um, but not always. I mean, for the audition of Chuck, I'll, I'll share a vulnerable moment that I, uh, I melted down in that. And I've told you this before, Rusty, I, I didn't get through the audition because I couldn't remember the lines. And I just had my first, you know, baby, my first child. And I was up all night with him, and I didn't, I, I did one audition previous that they had on tape that I did well on. But now this was the do or die moment, that Eminem song of if you have one chance. I hate that song because I, <laughs> I believe people have multiple chances. And I, it was one that thing that I just froze like a deer in headlights. And the creators of the show were like, right, just did it like do it like you did last time for our director, Mick G, who was a big director. And I just said, no, nah, that's all I got. They go, what? I go, no, nope. that's, that's, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm sorry. And I, I gave him a little fist bump and I walked out of the room and I went in my car and tears started flowing and just thinking like, I didn't have any money left. I had a baby at home and I was like, what is what there's no, this was the end of pilot season. So there was another job in sight for six months. I was like, what am I going to do? And the, the agent called and said, listen, what happened in there? I went through the whole thing. She made me sweat it out. And she said, well, they're giving you the job. <laughs> I said, what, why would they give this guy the job? Like, are they, did they, were they in the room with me? And what they did was they wrote the character so that in the big moments he melted down. You know, you thought this guy had everything, but they saw something in it that they thought was fun and funny. Wow. But then this guy was wow. captain. Yeah. He had it together, but he melts down in those fun situations. So, Hey man, God's got a plan. Even when we, when ours goes out the window. Absolutely. So I want to ask you guys about, Christmas. We're in the Christmas season. You guys have made your share of Christmas movies. 
what is it, and I, and I want to speak, you know, from, for both channels, because both of you have uh, had influence on both of these networks, Hallmark, Lifetime, but it's the same kind of movie. Why is it we can't get enough of these? We, we, we know how it ends. Uh, we kind of know how it begins, um, but we just love them. And even, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit this, COVID has made me vulnerable. I got a cat, you know, so anyway, <laughs> my life's totally different now. I even like them sometimes, these, these movies. And I love to watch them with our family, and maybe that's the key. What is it about these movies that we love, and what do they teach us about ourselves? Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. you you've made a, a lot of films. What is it about the Christmas that makes it different? Well, I think I think there's a few things. I think first of all, families they love to feel good and escape from you know, all of us love to escape from the day-to-day darkness we deal with with stress of jobs, life, things, you know, the the day-to-day stuff. So when we watch these movies, they remind us of love, falling in love, family, family gatherings, friends, community. So all that's happening in these movies, and I think somewhere in our as we know in our hearts, that's really what God kind of made us to be that it just speaks mm-hmm. to us. And that's what we long to be and long to have. So unfortunately we let all the world get in our way and we forget to focus on that. That is so much imp- so important to us. And these movies in a fun way, remind us of what's really important and the things that are really, mm-hmm. you know, our soul, if you will. So even if it's silly, goes a little bit over the top, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Cause we're already, I think pre-wired to, to like them. Um, and of course the endings, everyone talks about how the endings, you know, you're going to get an ending that's happy. You're going to feel good. You know, no one's getting chopped up in a, you know, you know, a chopper or, you know, no one's losing fingers, you know, it's all going to be fine. So it's safe. You know, you know, you're going to take the ride and you're going to be okay. Um, and then what's really funny about it, it also helps us. I think there's so much love for Christmas. I mean, I, for me growing up, it was my favorite holiday. So, you know, when you take Hallmark movie, I mean, it's all about decorations and decorations and, you know, you're going to, you're going to get it all. You're going to get Christmas, uh, like crazy. And I think what's amazing about it is people love that so much that they, they, they now have Christmas in July, you know, you know, we, you know, now they're doing the big launch in the summer. Mm-hmm. And even when I went to the angel baseball game, now they do Christmas in July at Anaheim stadium. And so there's clearly a need and a desire in our souls to want to feel good mm-hmm. and to, we don't want to have to think too hard. We want to just be able to sit and watch and hug our families and go, Hey, this will be fun. Yeah. You want that certainty, right? You want to know yeah, exactly. what you're going to get. It's what I think the reason the rom-com is coming back these days is people want that certainty that they're going to feel good. We've had enough uh, programming that has ripped our hearts out time and again. And, uh, mm. you know, you could turn on any news station or, you know, news opinion station, I should say. There's not much news out there anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, there's, they, they feed off of fear and anger. So, you know, it, these these programs give us hope. And that's what Christmas is about. It's hope. And um, when we when we tune into them and you feel that love and you feel that, um, you know, that that community feel that Dan is talking about, it gives you that 
uh, escapism of, oh man, I'd love to live in that town. Mm-hmm. I'd love for the snow to come down and have all those twinkly lights. That's why there's a lot of mandates to these. Now there's got to be some twinkly lights in every scene. There's got to be that snow coming down. There's got to be that feeling of warmth, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that coziness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's Christmas is an interesting time. And I do think it can be oversaturated. I do think I'm one of those people who likes to reserve that time of year t- where everything stops and everybody takes a pause and there's self-reflection. And it's, it's right before we start our New Year's resolutions, right? So you're reminded of love, of family, of hope. Um, and, you know, in, in our community, you're reminded of our creator and what we're meant for. And uh, you reflect on that. And you make your resolu- resolutions after that and take it into the new year. And I do think that they do oversaturate it because they do want to get that feeling throughout the year. But... Um, uh, it, there can be something as too much Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, to Ryan's point, I, I will say this. If I have any uh, complaint about uh, the networks in general, especially Hallmark, and I think it's okay to say this, I mean, I started out with Hallmark with Christmas in Canaan, which is a movie I'm very proud of, and it dealt with a boy and an issue on a bus and a white boy threatening to beat up a black boy. And the father refused to have his son be a racist. So he made the white boy live with the black boy and his grandmother and then made the black boy live with their family. And thus began a friendship that was unbelievable, all leading up to fighting racism in this town in Canaan, Texas. And it was the highest rated movie in the history of the Hallmark Channel at that time. And I'll never forget them coming to me afterwards and saying it was screened at the Academy. We love this movie. It's the highest rated and we're never doing this again. And I thought, why? Why? And there was that feeling of, we just don't want drama on our network. Mm. And I thought, mm. are, we have to give credit to our audience. They don't have to, to your point, Rusty, as you started this question, you don't have to give them the same movie every time. The audience is willing to look at other stories and they're willing to look at drama and they're willing to look at something that happens that's re, you know redemptive and mm-hmm. I wish they would be more bold to go back to what they did. And we all grew up on great Christmas movies that did that. The audience can handle it and they're ready for it. And they can still feel good while they're watching it. Mm-hmm. So I do think it doesn't have to be a hundred rom-coms. It can be a mixture yeah. and hopefully and in, the, in the age of branding, mm-hmm. because everybody has to have a brand now, every network. I think that Dan, um, you know, you, you know better than I do that we'll be able to tell those stories again we'll be able to find those homes for them. It might not be Hallmark and Lifetime. That might end up being the romance that works so well for them because they've branded themselves as that. <laughs> um, but we might end up being able to tell that in other, other streamers now. Yeah. There's, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of places. And, and if, man, I can, I'd love to show that movie to my kids. I can't believe they haven't seen that yet. I can't wait to, to find that. So... Uh, I look forward to finding some of those other Christmas stories that aren't just about romance. It would be pretty good, though, if at the end of a Hallmark movie, that sweet little town ends up being a money laundering, meth making, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it turns into Ozark at the end of a Hallmark movie. 
Boy, that would be a shocking, <laughs> a shocking Christmas. <laughs> well, you just gave me an idea about a producer who makes all the Hallmark movies, but then he's the Breaking Bad guy on the other side. Oh, no, that's a good idea. Okay, so because we do talk about leadership on this podcast, and I think you guys, you deal with two different spectrums, and, and uh, Ryan, obviously, you deal with both now. But, Dan, I've heard you talk several times about you can't control everything, but you do want to control the environment in which people work. And being a producer of movies, there's so many things almost out of your control, but there is one thing you want to try to control. I love that perspective. I'd love to hear from you about how you try to lead a large team like that. And then, Ryan, I'd love to hear from you on how you try to lead from within, mm -hmm. even if you don't agree with the director or the producer or maybe even your co-star, mm -hmm. but how you be a supportive leader from within. So, Dan, I'll let you go first. All right. Um, so the slogan for my company is bringing great stories to light. Um, and I know sometimes this sounds cliche, uh, but there's obviously a lot of darkness. Uh, you know, people know there can be darkness in Hollywood. There can be egos. There can be screamers and yelling directors. There can be all that stuff that is unpleasant. And when I started my career, God really put on my heart. I want you to be someone who is a light in this place. I want you to um, provide support, love, kindness. Um, and that is going to be your role. That's what you're going to do. And I took that very seriously. So um, when I crew up, we, you know, we try to find the best people. Uh, we try to cast great people. And when we're done putting that all together, that is our family. At that moment, that's our new family. And they're treated like family. And um, as, you, as you said, it's a team. It's a team. It's a family. There's no room for egos. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion. Um, we support that when we do all of our meetings, when we're you know prepping the movie, people contribute, uh, whether it's wardrobe, um, production design, and they have the freedom to say what they need to say. And by letting them work together and do that, we end up with the best possible uh, movie and the best possible environment for a movie. And I think that's the leadership God calls us to, to, to be an example for. Um, and I even go out of my way. I, it's funny. I remember reading about Michael Landon on Little House on the Prairie. And I, I loved Michael Landon growing up. And his he felt one of the most important things he could do was learn everyone's name on the set. And, it you know, hmm. and that's important to me. So I try to learn everyone's name because, again, it doesn't matter whether you're a PA or a grip or a star and everyone in between. It, it just people light up when you walk up to them and call them by name. You know, it, it makes them understand that they're as relevant to the production and I'm not only valuing the star or the director. Um, so, you know, that's that's crucial to me. That's that's my leadership role. That's how I, I choose to lead. I can't do it any other way. Hmm. And, you know, it's funny because Fezziwig is the name of my company. And and my kids said, Dad, you're going to start a new company. What do you want to call it? And I said, we started talking about our favorite movies and one of mine is, you know, Dickens and A Christmas Carol. And in Christmas Carol, Fezziwig, the only time Scrooge was happy was when he was working for Fezziwig, fell in love. And Fezziwig said, uh, I'm going to pay you well. And if it's not the best experience you've ever had, I didn't do my job. And I went, wait, that's what I tell my crew. That's it. We're Fezziwig Studios. And that's how we came up with the name. So I, that's just that's how it has to be. I want people to walk away and say this was the best 
experience I've ever had on a movie. And if they do, then I've done my job. Mm. That's fantastic. I love, yeah, I love that because that applies to whatever your job is. You know, if you're leading a group of painters, if you're a teacher, if you're at a machine shop, you could create that environment there. And I, I just love that concept. Ryan, what about for you? Well, I come from a communication background uh, in college. And what Dan said is, I think, probably the most important takeaway from, um, from this conversation is learning everyone's name that you work with, no matter how short a time, even if you get it wrong. Because that's why we don't call people by the name, because you go, I forgot it. It's too late to call them by their name now. You just say, hey, listen, I am bad at this. I am sorry. And you try and associate their name with someone else, a movie star, whatever it is that, um, you know, someone in your life, because you do see those barriers just break down when you use someone's name. And we were just talking about this on my last, the, the Christmas movie that I have coming out on Lifetime. There's a nice little opportunity to plug that. Mm. Uh, it's Sunday, Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, and it's called, uh, people presents once on a main street. And I worked with Vanessa Lachey and I'm telling you, I've never seen anybody use the cat crew's name quicker and more proficiently than she did. And you watched everyone there just light up. Mm. It didn't matter. It was wardrobe, makeup, the PA, just like Dan saying, um, when you use people's name and you communicate properly and you can have plenty of disagreements, you can have plenty of, uh, creative conversations and, um, but you, if you do it with respect and you communicate properly and you also respect people's time, uh, and balance with life and work, you know, I think that's something that's, that's big for me. Nobody wants to, because you, you might have a director or producer that would stay there 15, 16 hours if they could and not respect the fact that we all want to have normal lives to go home to, um, you know, and other people in our lives to see. Communication and just respect. Yeah, that's so good. And, and trying to enforce it, trying to like really have conversations without making a big show of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the uh, family because a lot of the shows I do, We'll try, like when I was doing The Haunting Hour and it was a family show, we had um, we did 10-hour days and we promised the crew there would be no night shoots past midnight on a Friday into the, you know, they call them Friday days, you lose your whole weekend. Yeah. And we everyone's going to be home for dinner. It was amazing to watch these people go, wait, I get that. You know, some people didn't like it because they weren't getting their overtime. But eventually they realized, wait, getting home for dinner to be with my family might be worth more than that extra two hours of pay. Hmm. And right. we ended up keeping the crew for four years. Wow. Is it, is it difficult to make a movie that's a Christmas movie when you're filming in June? Uh, yeah, there, boy, now you're hitting my, one of my pet peeves. Uh, because, by the way, and I know, Ryan, you can speak to this too, as, a, as an actor and as a producer, they could have told us in January, February, March that they're greenlighting the movie. And for some reason... They keep, you know, especially like at Hallmark when they're making so many movies. So here we are in July, August, and sometimes even September. And a lot of these get shot in Canada. So thank God I have a really good relationship with the hockey rink who can supply the ice that will be the snow. You know, you're making, and, and by the way, you'll spend over $100,000 or more, maybe even up to 200000 
just bringing in snow. Wow. It's, a, it's like yeah. a waste of money if you could just and get the for time. Me, for me, I know that, you know, the sweat. I'm a sweater. I sweat like a bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know when it's coming in the middle of a scene. I could just be like, hey, we got to get through this take. We gotta, they're like, well, we just want to work out this one little light here. I'm like, I am telling you, when this starts, it's not going to stop. <laughs> we need to get this in now. Cue the so rain. I, I emailed on this last production. I emailed specifically the producer, the director, everybody on board. I said, I'm, I'm very simple in my demands, but we need some box fans. We need, if, if we could have a swamp cooler, it'll save us time and we won't go into overtime with hair dryers. But we need hair dryers and ice packs. So we put ice packs under the clothes on the body. Guess how much of that was there when I showed up and we're in the middle of a heat wave? Zero. <laughs> They go, oh, we just did two movies, and it was fine. I'm like, I always end up with the heat wave. Trust me, it's coming. <laughs> they got your green m and so that's all that matters. Right? Shut, yeah, well, we shut down production <laughs> for two hours. And I was like, you can't – I can't get people in the Christmas mood when sweat is pouring down my face and my hair is soaking wet. Right. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Okay, guys, um, we're going to wrap up with this kind of a lightning round. I got three questions you can each answer. And um, just off the top of your head, tell me somebody you met, maybe even worked with, that even you were starstruck by. Dan? Helen Marin. Mm, okay. We, uh, yeah, she was in Door to Door, and she did it because Wayne H. Macy knew her and picked up the phone and said, you're playing my mother. And she showed up, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it's Helen Marin. Wow, the Love queen. Helen. Okay, Ryan? The queen. Man, there's a, there's a really, really long list. Uh, they say sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes. One of mine was uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. <laughs> Chevy Chase. And I'll just leave it at that. You don't always want to meet your heroes. <laughs> I've heard that, and so I don't yes. ever want to meet him because I love him. Uh, oh, and I still love them. Yep. I can still watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Favorite Christmas movie that you didn't do? Well, for, <laughs> this is a toss-up for me. Um, uh, Scrooge the Musical uh, with Albert Finney. Uh, I love Dickens, as you know. I love It's a Christmas Carol, but this was probably one of the best versions I've ever seen. And it just, we I started when I think it was nine or ten years old, and we went every year to watch it. And then when I was, uh, and Cindy and I got married and we had our kids, we would play it every year and sing the song. I like life and all, I mean, the great songs came out of it. Um, but I, I'll tell you, it's a toss up because then you have, it's a wonderful life, mm. obviously. And that movie is so powerful, but then you have Christmas vacation and it really doesn't get better than that. <laughs> I, I think for me, those are really close. I have Christmas story. Hmm. Christmas vacation. It's a wonderful life. I know that's three instead of one, but those are the, the three we watch every year. Mm. Okay. Uh, for me, it's twinkle all the way, but that's, you know, <laughs> no one asked. Um, okay. Last one. And this is your chance to make a shameless plug for an idea that you have in case somebody is listening, a movie you want to make, but haven't been able to yet. Well, I mean, I, I will tell you the short of it. The short of it is and my family knows this. The movie that I must make is an original idea. I'm not a fan of um, the internet and the technology. And the movie that I want to make is an incredible 
story about a group of kids who, you know, find their, I won't give you all of it away, but they find a way to basically stop it and save us from it. And there's a lot of detail to it, but it's a movie I definitely have to make because it's in my heart, it's in my soul, and I want people to quit relying on this stuff and have life back to what it used to be. And you're going to stream that? (laughs) (laughs) Available on my platform. I want more hits on that movie. Yeah, It'll be available in a picture book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mine is, we just watched The Big Chill last weekend, and I'm getting more into this idea of adult content that is connecting friends connecting um you know people from your past and coming together so i'm working on some stories that um can do just that okay that sounds awesome yeah big chill you guys are always a a great a great time and uh, i love having you in my life in our church and um We've had a lot of laughs and more to come, and I'm just so grateful for you contributing to the podcast. So thank you so much for that. All the best this Christmas season. Um, Ryan, I hope your new movie, which comes out the Sunday after Thanksgiving, is that right? That's correct. And what's it called? It's called Once Upon a Main Street. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Once Upon a Main Street, I hope that uh, does wonderful. Hey, you could have shot that at Disneyland. They, they're, that's they're right. Available. It's wide open. It's a little warm, though, for you, Ryan. (laughs) Guys, I I love you guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I always love talking to those guys. They're great men, great family guys, and do great work. And hope you enjoyed that. Hope you pulled some leadership principles out of there and hope it got you in the mood for holiday season, Christmas movies, and certainly the joy of Christmas that does come from our Savior, Jesus Christ. So join us next week. I'm going to just share with you some of my thoughts as we wrap up 2020 about things I've learned about leadership, life, and fatherhood over the course of this very crazy year. Uh, As always, if you feel like this was helpful for you, we'd love for you to rate the podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe to it and certainly share it with a friend. Keep leading in a simple way and we'll talk to you next time. Let's just-